Welcome to the So Much More Podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Amy. We've been married for almost 24 years. We have four kids. We live in the Dominican Republic. We're missionaries. We're both educators, have pastored together. And love mentoring others. Oh, and we love sharing our story. Join us for this real talk about how to get more out of this thing called life. Welcome to the So Much More Podcast. We're so glad to have you with us. Welcome to our new series. This one's called Missionaries of the Caribbean, Adventures of Obedience. I love that name. I just came up with that little last part because this happens to be one of my favorite movie soundtracks, Pirates of the Caribbean. And so I was listening to it the other day. I thought this would be a fun series. And the fact that we, wait, we live in the Caribbean or the Caribbean, however you choose to say it. So anyway, Amy. How you doing? I'm so good. You're kind of like a music dork or something. You're really into your soundtracks. I love them. They're great. Yeah, Uh, there's no words. No words, which doesn't distract you. It helps me when I'm like reading or working to not get distracted by the lyrics. So anyway, Missionaries of the Caribbean, Adventures of Obedience. Okay, tell us what's going on. So our family has lived here in the Dominican Republic for seven months. We serve with an organization called Macarios. Um, With our organization, currently we have 12 adult missionaries, and there's six little kid missionaries. They're so stinking awesome. Um, It's so interesting when you're serving with other people. Scott and I will sit there, and one of the first things we did those first few weeks was um, ask people their stories. How, how did you end up serving here in Macarios in the Dominican Republic? And and I'm a story girl. I love stories. I love hearing people's stories. I love asking them questions about their lives. And we were just in awe and so encouraged by every one of their stories. And we really wanted to to share some of them. They're great stories. Everybody's story is a little bit different, of course. But as we started listening to these stories, we we realized there there were some common themes. Uh, everybody individually, you know, can can really share and and will many of them will share through this podcast. Uh, but as you listen to those, hopefully you'll pick up the theme. We've kind of given you a, a heads up on what the theme is uh, by just by way of this series title. But the common theme of obedience and in everybody's story, as we listened. Uh, we saw just steps of obedience, not like an entire life of complete 100% obedience, but steps along the way of obedience. And those steps led each of these missionaries to be here with us uh, in the Dominican Republic. So we're encouraged by that. We want to use these stories to encourage you, the listener, just to believe that there's more for you. Obviously, our entire podcast, so much more, is the theme of by following Jesus by uh, seeing with new perspectives that you will discover the more for your life, that, that there is more. When we learn to trust and obey him, trust and obey. Do you know that song? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So I have to tell you real quick that you may know that song if you grew up in an old school church with hymnals. That was the very first hymnal, uh, very first hymn that I ever learned to play on the piano. Did you know that? 
And yeah, somehow I missed that story. You missed that story. I'll tell you later. But anyway, at my grandmother's house in a log cabin in East Texas uh, with an old crusty hymnal on a big old upright piano. Why was the hymnal crusty? Because it was like, you know, antiquated, like yellowed pages. And you know how they just get old. So anyway, that was the first song I learned. Trust and obey. And there's some reality. There's some truth there, right? There's more for us when we learn to trust and obey him. So I ho- we hope these stories will encourage you. We're going to start this episode by just giving you kind of a quick overview of our story. And then the se- the episodes coming after that uh, will be from some of our coworkers here. So I think you're going to love it. So ready to get started? So ready. So ready. Okay, so I'll start with the story, uh, and we'll just kind of go back and forth and tell a little bit of it. But here's the thing. I, I had the opportunity to grow up in church uh, I, I tell people that I've been in church really from conception all the way through, which is... That's kind of weird. It's a little bit strange, but my parents grew up in church, um, their parents... So it's like, it's just part of the legacy. And so I was in church as long as I can remember. I remember a time at church where I was in like the baby bed in the nursery. I think in hindsight, I was probably older and was climbing in it, messing around, but I do have a memory of being in a bed in a nursery at a church. So, so I've weird. told you that story. I know, and it's weird. Okay, anyway, so I've been in church pretty much my entire life, and I remember as a kid growing up, several things. I remember periodically that missionaries would show up. I grew up in a church tradition that was really, really supportive of uh, international missionaries. And so once a year or so, a family would show up, a missionary family, to share their story, uh, what, what they were doing wherever they were. And it just so happened to be that all the ones I can remember, at least, were families that most likely served in Africa somewhere. They were a bit awkward. They generally were wearing homemade clothes in their slideshow. If you remember the old slideshow, like the carousel with the little slide pictures, always had pictures of them living in a hut, eating like bugs and wearing their homemade clothes. And I thought, wow, I never, ever, ever want to be one of those people. And so that was my view of missionaries. My grandmother, on the other hand, one of my grandmothers was a, a prayer warrior for missionaries. She was part of an organization that that actually met weekly and prayed for missionaries and, and sent money to missionaries and something she always wanted to do, uh, but ended up getting married and raising a family and never had a chance to serve that way. So it's kind of been in my DNA a little bit, even though I really ran far from it for a long, long time. But that was kind of my experience growing up. What missionaries were, I had just a really skewed view of that and and just really never wanted to be one of those. So I didn't have really any context or thoughts of what a missionary would have looked like or done or just, just nothing. I just no perspective on missionary or missionary life. Um, but my missionary journey or like that desire or that inkling being dropped into me was when I went on my first international mission trip. It was 2002. I went with my friend Michelle to Mexico and I just remember, well, I remember taking some naps in the middle of the afternoon because we would work in the morning or the afternoon or in the evening. So I really enjoyed my afternoon naps. I remember reading the book of Acts, which was super timely. I remember just being in awe of the entire experience, um, watching other people serve, 
people being on mission trips, um, Mexico itself, this area, the the way people live, their stories. I just loved every moment of it. And I remember reading about Priscilla and Aquila in Acts. And I just remember thinking, Scott, I think we're supposed to do something like ministry together. And I would walk to the street and use a little payphone to call call home to him. And he's like cooking dinner after work with a, literally a one-year-old and a three-year-old. And I kept saying, I think, I think we're supposed to do something. And um, I was all in. I knew that what I wanted for our family was for us to somehow, um, that missions was going to play a part somehow. And But I came home and I don't think I found an eager husband. Like he wasn't exactly on board with me. Uh, not at all. Again, think about my story. So she actually went on a mission trip before I ever did and came home. I remember her being excited. The phone calls from the pay phone using a calling card or a something. Calling at the card. Time. Yep. Uh, yeah, different time. Um, and, and then the excitement of that. And she was like, oh, this is so fun. And it, it just didn't stir anything up in me. Uh, I was, again, my paradigm of missionary life was just not a thing. I was in the middle of just building my career. I, in 2002, I had just become an administrator in the public school system where I was working. Um, she had just started, uh, being a stay at home mom. And so we were kind of on this track for career growth and, you know, like support your family and do all the normal things. So it, it was a couple years after that. We kind of just sat on that for a little while. And then I think in I did lots of praying behind his back and just that we would be on the same page, but that whatever missions might look like for us, even if it was just going on trips or somehow being involved, that that would become part of our story. But we didn't talk a lot about it. No, we didn't. Mm-mm. Again, I, just to kind of back up, we both graduated from college and started careers in education. We didn't intend to do that necessarily and weren't really trained for that, but they let us do it anyway, uh, which should make you feel really great. No, they don't do that anymore, but 20, 30 years ago they did. So we were, we both taught school again. I moved into administration and she was able to then stay home with Jacob who was, who was young at the time. Um, and so, you know, that was our thing. And I, and I did feel like where I was working was a mission field. I was in kind of the inner city of Houston and, there were definitely challenges there. It was, in many ways, a different culture and a different uh, community than where I grew up. And so even though I grew up in the same district, it was a different side, different part. And so I felt like, oh, yeah, I'm, I am kind of doing a mission thing anyway and was serving in the youth ministry at our church. We were both kind of doing that, volunteering. And, you know, I was trying to find uh, just the rhythm of family life without dreaming really too big of anything crazy. Uh, this is coming from, uh, you know, having a father who had the same job for, I don't know, 37 years or something. Until he retired. Until he retired. So in my mind, that's kind of just what you do. And you were probably really fearful about any concept of me being a missionary and living in a hut mm-hmm. and eating bugs. Yep. And I cannot sew, and if we had to make our children's clothing, they'd be naked. I mean, yeah. I think you probably thought there's, we're just not built for I this. don't know. Maybe I didn't know that quite that early. That would have been like six years into marriage. Maybe I did. You, you, you probably maybe, knew. You may be right. Uh, so anyway, we, we kind of go on with life. I continue my career 
And then I guess in 2007, 2006, 2007, you went on another trip. Mm-hmm, this I did. time to where? Latvia. To mm-hmm. Latvia, Eastern yeah. Europe. Eastern Europe. And it's same thing. It was just amazing. I loved every moment of it. And it was the watching the people. It was experiencing new places. It was, it was all of it. Yeah. Well, and what had happened before that trip. So in, in 2004, our daughter Scotty was born. And so I remember in 2005, we had some friends who were about to leave Houston and move overseas to be missionaries. And they were telling us their story. And we like, oh, yeah, who, whoever wants to do that. Amy had already been on a mission trip. So it was kind of like starting to sort of stir up this thing in her heart. But in 2005, when our daughter Scotty was a year old, I had a moment where I remember after we talked a little bit about this idea, just, just praying to God and saying, hey, you've given us this family. Yeah, you know my heart, and you know that I really have never dreamt of being a missionary. But, and that's the key word, right? Like, yeah, that's you got to be careful when you're praying prayers like that to say, but God, we'll do whatever you want us to do. And that was kind of that defining moment for me where I knew that I didn't know what it was going to be, but I knew at that point moving forward that with the three kids we had at the time, now having four, but I knew that if he had something for us like this, that we were going to be willing to go. And so that was 05. She went on a trip in 07. We went on a, I went on a trip in 2008. And during all those times, we, we did apply to a mission organization um, when Scotty was 18 months old. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like the first step. It was one of those, um, let's just start going through the process and s- see how this feels. Is it the right thing? And if it's not, we'll know. And we were going through the process. I think at the beginning, we were feeling confident that that it would work for us, that it would be something we would be able to do. And that door closed because at the time, Scotty had lots of developmental delays and we had zero answers as to why. And they, in their wisdom, did say, you kind of need to figure that out with Scotty first before you move your family overseas. And so we, we figured if there's a closed door and it's your kid that God gave you, I don't know, it was disappointing, but it was a little easier to swallow that decision sure. to say, oh, okay, it's, it's for the well-being of our daughter. Yeah, and I think, okay, that's good. I think as we're going along the way here in the story, we'll try to point out steps of obedience, I think, and that, that would be one of them. I'd say if you go back to Amy's first mission trip, like, hey, I've never done this. I don't really know what this is all about, but I'm going to go do it, you know, and then that moment in 2005 for me of God, I don't know what this looks like, but we're willing to do whatever is like, we'll be obedient. And then, yeah. And then the process of applying, like we didn't know what was going to happen. We certainly didn't know the outcome, but we felt that the next step of obedience was to just start the process. Mm -hmm. And so we did. And as she said, the door got closed on us in 2005, 2006. We experienced a few other mission trips in that time period and and really then began to have a deeper desire and and maybe a bigger vision for the fact that that this might be something God has in the plan for us. Uh, And then in 2008, so we applied for the organization. They said no. We actually went to Portugal in 2007 
and met the team there. We got really excited and thought, oh, this is going to work out. We're going to convince them that we should get to go. We visited a international school that took children with special needs. We just felt like we were lining everything up. Every, every question they had or doubt they had, we felt like we were finding answers for. Yeah, we had it all planned out. And so we went back, reapplied, and they said no. Okay, God, so like what's going on? We basically surrendered our family and said, hey, we'll do whatever, go wherever. You've given us this idea. You've given us friends who would be there to help support this big decision and move over. We had a job. We had a school lined up. We had everything figured out, and he still said no. So that was a moment of, wow, like what do we do now? You know, when you get excited about something, and then he says no, or he says wait. And, and I think that what we wanted to do was a good thing. So even just the not understanding God, like we are willing to move our family over to another country to serve you full time, to tell people about Jesus, to be part of your, the gospel story, to be part of it all. And that obedience seemed like, I don't know, worthwhile, or it seemed it was a very godly act of obedience. And then to be told no was not a shock, disappointment, but also just the, okay, wait, wait, wait. We tried to be obedient, and we thought we were being obedient, and you're, it's still not happening. So what are we supposed to do? So what we did, we just kind of kept going. We were still serving at our church, teaching Bible studies, leading groups, I was still working in the school system. Amy was still raising kids. We, you know, we were just doing what we knew to do. And then in 2008, we had a chance to relocate across Houston with a group of friends and plant a church. So this was kind of like our step into ministry. It wasn't what we had thought it was going to be. It certainly wasn't in another country. But we moved to a part of a suburb of Houston that really is probably the most diverse county in the United States. So we kind of had a place where the world had come to with many, many different cultures and languages, and we were going to go move and be part of a church plant. And so it wasn't missionary life, sort of, but it was ministry. And so in 2008, we did that, started a church, uh, moved to another church in 2010, and then in 2012, it seems like like every two years. (laughs) Uh, ended up at another church. So we've served at three different churches so far uh, and spent those 10 years really just serving in church, but also trying to find ways to stay connected to missions. And so all along the way, almost annually, we would participate in some type of a mission trip. And we got to get our kids involved too. Yeah. I mean, and I think just like Scott was saying, when you look at each one of those, even going to help the first church plant or being part of the next church plant or the next church plant. Every one of those decisions was just another step of obedience. It wasn't necessarily the story we would have written 10 years prior or sometimes a year prior, um, but every time another opportunity or a door would close, another one would open, we would pray and we'd have to decide, are we going to step into this or are we not? And so every time it was this this step of obedience, it is such a blessing. We are so, I I am so in awe and I am so grateful that every church we were part of 
loved the idea of missions and, and spreading the good news to the world and to be involved. And we did. Our our two oldest kids have been on several mission trips. Jacob went on his first one when he was nine. And I think Emma Grace was probably nine when she went on her first one. And And to watch our children who were with us all along. I mean, they were part of the story. They knew we wanted to be missionaries. They knew we had applied to the mission board. They knew we had been told no. And to be able to see them kind of like get their toe in the water and and get a taste of what it is to be a missionary or to live a life on mission. Yeah, and part of that, as we talk about steps of obedience, after church plant number one, which didn't quite turn out the way we had all hoped, it's really difficult to plant the church, but we found ourselves in between ministry, in between work even, with Amy who had just found out we were pregnant with Zoe, our youngest, our fourth, and then I got laid off. I had also just started seminary, um, so there was a lot going on when I found out, oh, hey, you're not going to have a job. And so I ended up going back to the school that I had left a few years before that just to help out. I was just looking for something to do to make a little bit of money to kind of keep food on the table and, and wait this thing out. And I had a chance actually then to go back. They invited me back to the school system to take the job basically that I had left two years before and then uh, with a promise of a promotion very quickly. And it was very tempting and it was very stable. Again, I mentioned my my dad had the same job forever and was very predictable and, and, you know, eight to five, 30 something years, retired, great pension, all that. And so I had that opportunity to go back and I wrestled with that. At the same time, I was talking to the pastor of the second church we ended up at who was asking us to come serve. And it was, again, that, that debate in my heart and mind of like, oh, wow, we, we know God called us to something. We got a little taste of it in this first church plant, which was a church very intent on sending people out and serving as missionaries. And then I had this really a temptation almost to go back to what I knew, to go back to what was safe. And we prayed about it and felt like that step of obedience was to know, no, 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 continue down the path that I had put you on. And so we ended up in the second church and then the third church. And that church was a church we got more involved with missions. By being one of the pastors there um, at, uh, at one of the campuses, I had a chance to lead some trips. Um, and that's really how we got connected to Macarios. You want to tell how you found out about Macarios? I was working part-time as a teacher at a local private school And I really wanted our high school students to go on a mission trip. And so I presented it to the the administration and I found a trip and I took a group to Belize for their, like our school's first sending our juniors and seniors off on a mission trip. And in that process, I had a conversation with a coworker and she said, you know, Amy, my sister is a missionary in the Dominican Republic. And if you guys are ever looking for any trips in the future, I would love to connect you. And so I was like, oh, that's great. And so at the same time that started to happen, Scott was looking for a mission trip that we could take people from our campus on um, that would be good for families. We wanted children to be able to experience what it is to go to another country, to get them out of their bubble that they were living in and to expose them to other cultures. And and not all mission trips, one week in and out mission trips are designed for kids. We would not have felt comfortable taking them to a lot of places. And so Scott came to the Dominican Republic 
um, on a vision trip to check it out to see if it would be a good fit for our church. And it was a really good fit. It was a great fit, uh, not just for the church, but it really aligned with our experience. Now, granted, I was here to scope out a trip, but I got to meet the staff. I got to hear the story. And God really planted in my heart then this connection with Macarius that would eventually lead us to here. But uh, that was 2015. So 2016, 2017, we, we brought groups down from our church in the summer, uh, had really successful experiences with that, taking people, many of which had never been on a trip like that before. And each time I'd come, I just learned more and more about what the ministry here was all about. And so fast forward to 2017, the Lord had begun to stir our hearts to to open doors for, for new ministry. And I was talking with the director of Macarius at the time, back and forth a little bit on email and talking about some opportunities that were here. We weren't in a place where we were going to move away from our home. Our son Jacob was was graduating that year in 2017 from high school. We had already promised Emma, the second daughter, that, hey, we're not going to move. We're not going to do anything crazy. We're going to let you finish high school here. Uh, and so they were asking, hey, the, the Macarius folks were asking, hey, uh, are you, what do you think? Are you interested in moving? Are you, uh, you want to be part of the team? And we're like, ah, we love what you're doing, but no, we're not moving. And that went on for a couple of those years. And then 2017 happened, and we, again, felt the door beginning to open. And so we made that decision. After a lot of prayer, I, I reached out to the director, and I said, hey, what do you think? You still have any needs down there for an old pastor and his family? And he's like, uh, yeah, I think, we could, I think we could definitely find something for you to do. I said, great, let's talk about it. And so we went through the process, and he said, oh, by the way, I need to mention to you that we would love to have you, but I can't pay you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, hey, well, that's kind of important. I do have four kids, one finishing high school, ready for college. And, yeah, like the salary thing is a, a kind of important. We laughed a little bit, and then he said, no, really, you have to raise support. And I thought, oh, wait a second. I've heard of people that do this. When we were looking at the organization 10 years prior to that, it was an organization that paid their missionaries a salary. You didn't have to raise support. Here we were considering this idea with four kids and a mortgage and all the other things of life to actually have to go and raise support as a missionary, which, by the way, many, many missionaries, both in the United States and countries all over the world, do this. So it's not, very un- it's not very uncommon. It's very common. So I called a buddy of mine who was in the middle of the same uh, with a different organization. He had just left a, a salaried position and began raising support. And he encouraged me. He's like, hey, you can do it. And actually, he said, God will do it if this is what he's called you to do. So I left the church. We started in, this, in the fall of 2017, started the process of raising support to be missionaries. And then by January of 2018, I began. Now, having said that, we weren't moving. Remember, that was the whole deal. Right, <laughs> right, honey? That's right. Yeah, the, we kids made a, made, the kids and I made it clear we were not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. And so, and that was fine. Like at that point, hey, we'll go down there once a year. We'll serve. We'll do stuff. But we're not moving. So I told uh, the boss man, I said, hey, we'll do this. But we're, we're intent on staying in Houston. We want to be part of what you're doing. How can we support you from here? And so I took a position as a director of development and partnerships and really just began to try to extend the, the network 
in Houston. Most of our church network is in Austin because that's where Macarius was founded, but there's a ton of people in Houston. And so I took that position, started in January of 2018 uh, after having raised support, and, and that, was, that was where we were going to settle. I will do everything I can to encourage the staff and support the work of the ministry from Houston. And that's kind of where we left it for, for a little bit. For a little bit. Yeah. And I think that the raising the support, that was a huge step of obedience for us. And I'm, in all honesty, that is a step of obedience that I was so close to just saying, no, it's fine. Let's not do that. It's extremely uncomfortable for me. I did not like going to any of those meetings. Um, a super humbling experience. But the truth is, is that that step of obedience opened up opportunities, but that step of obedience also really, really taught us that God is our provider and not just Scott and I, we didn't just learn that, but our kids, I mean, all four of our kids know that every penny we have, every time we eat food, every time we do anything, it is because God has provided that money through people who are willing to support his mission. Yeah. And I had before this stood up, I don't know how many times, either in a Bible study class or preaching a sermon and was encouraging everybody to trust the Lord. He's your provider. He'll take care of you. And, and he had been taking care of us, but it's also like the faith kind of challenge of, okay, yeah, but I, I go to work and I make a check and pay my bills. Yes, the Lord gives me health and the ability to do that. But if we're not careful, we're pretty self-reliant. We're pretty independent of thinking, well, I work hard and I make a, make a living and I can take care of myself. And so, like she said, just the idea of actually sticking your neck out a bit and saying, okay, God, no, you really want to prove to us that you're going to take care of us by having us go and ask people for money. I mean, it was, it reminded me of the people who show up at your door that want to sell something, you know, like, Hey, here's this miracle vitamin, or here's this miracle cleaner or the, the, the vacuum cleaner that'll change your life, which I was like, the irony in that yeah. is that you always say, okay, let yeah. me buy that vacuum. Let me buy, buy this water softener. I bought the water softener and I bought the vacuum. Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> these are not, these are not cheap vacuums and water softeners. But I was, they're convincing. So uh, anyway, I was the sucker, but I felt like that guy. I felt like a salesman That's or going into it. That's what I assumed it was going to be. And having read some books and been encouraged by people who had done it, I realized it's not what it is. It's not, I'm not selling anything. I'm not trying to twist anybody's arm to give me money. It's inviting people to be part of what God is doing. Uh, and just trying to be obedient, saying, hey, he's called us to do this, and he's promised he's going to provide it, and he will, and he's going to provide it through other people because he blesses us so that we can bless others. And, and so that's what it was. It was a step of obedience. There's been lots of other steps of not following and being obedient, of course, but uh, that was another big one. So I started January 2018. Again, the intent was to stay in Houston and, and just work from here. But we decided we were going to bring our girls down, our entire family. The younger two had not been on a mission trip before, and this was definitely a safe place that we felt comfortable doing that. So we brought them down here and really just to experience what mission trips were like and spend some time here. 
Uh, and as we were here doing that and kind of just, you know, in the, in the back of our minds, kind of just seeing how they would do, like maybe if God says one day we're going to move, you know, how would they do? Because the younger two would, would still have time with us and they would be part of this process and the older two would have finished school and all that. So we come and serve and, and remarkably, you know, they do well. They, they adjust for the time we're here and it wasn't that long, but we still felt, not, oh, hey, this is not as bad as we thought it was going to be. I mean, because the reality is, is we knew, and it's so funny because Scott and I wouldn't even necessarily have put words to it. I think he was afraid to talk to me about it, and I was afraid to talk to him about it. Like, we didn't want to have this discussion, really, are we doing this or not? I didn't want to disappoint him, and I think he didn't want to pressure me. Because here's the truth, is that at that point, and I'm the one who wanted to do it. I mean, I'm the one in 2002 who was like, this is what we're supposed to do. And then in 2018, I'm looking and thinking, I don't want to move away from my two older kids. I don't want to stop teaching at the school that I love. I don't know how Scotty, who is our teenager with autism, like, how is that even going to work? There's no special school for her there. That means all of her education, therapy, care for Scotty will will land on me without Emma to help me. Um, I didn't know if I wanted to do this to, to Zoe. I just was digging in my feet, my heels, and just, I, I mean, I'm, there are moments I think it was like toddler, temper tantrum, like so close to, you can make me do it, but I'm not going to like it, right? I do remember that. I yeah. mean, I think I actually did say those words. So we get back from our trip in summer 2018, and I'm getting more excited about, oh, like there is, like there could be a purpose for our family there. Like there are some things that we could do. And she's like, she's describing digging in her heels, like, oh, this is just not the right time. This is not what we're going to do. And we didn't. We didn't talk about it for months and months. And I think you were having like a Bible study at the time with some friends, and they asked maybe something about our experience or whatever. And I think you told them, yeah, we just haven't talked about it. And then they said, yeah, y'all should probably talk about it. <laughs> and so we did. We talked about it a little bit. We, were, we had a trip coming down here in October of that year. And so right before that trip, we sort of approached the subject. And um, I think, like you said, your attitude at the time was, hey. It's not happening. Yeah. Or you were like, uh, if you make me do it, I need to know so that I have time to get used to the idea of this if you're going to force me to do it. Because here's the truth is I also know that I came from a place and I tried to remain in a posture in our marriage that I know and trust my husband to not lead us into something that he doesn't 100% know that he's supposed to do. And that honestly, when I listed all the reasons why we should not come, Every one of them was like, me, 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 me. I, 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 I don't want to be away from Jacob. I don't want to be away from Emma Grace. I don't want to be the one to have to do everything with Scotty. I, and I, I could see it and recognize, oh, my willingness to say no and ultimately to disobey was 100% me. But that didn't mean that I cheerfully went into it. I did tell Scott, if this is what you feel called to do, I'll go. But I need you to be okay with me not liking it. I need you to be okay with me not learning Spanish. I need you to be okay with me like being sad and depressed about it. And he was like, um, okay, or not. Like, yeah, I remember saying, well, we're not going to do it that way. So I I knew, I, I my prayer was, okay, Lord, if, 
if this is the door opening back up for us to go serve somewhere, you know, 15 years later almost from the first time around, then I trusted him because he'd done this before in the past. I trusted him to align our hearts on the same page. It was either going to be yes together or no together. It wasn't going to be one or the other. And I wasn't certainly going to force her to pack her stuff and move away. So that's the that was the last conversation we had really about mm-hmm. it before we came back to the DR in October of 18. So we're here. We're serving for a week with some teachers. We did, you know, great time. Everything's fantastic. I, again, getting more and more excited about, ooh, like this would be really fun. And this, there's some things here that I feel like I could help, you know, contribute to. And the last day, I'm going to let you tell the story. The last day, something happened. Yeah, it's funny because, again, we are here for a week and we don't really talk about how we're feeling or he's not telling me how excited he's getting. And I'm not telling him how on a daily basis I could just feel God stirring in my heart. I had a beautiful conversation with a Dominican teacher with her little bit of English and my little Spanish. And I just was telling her, I just feel, I could feel it stirring. I was observing Scott walking into meetings with staff um, who were struggling or having issues or needed encouragement and how they could walk out of that and, and would say to me, I just feel better when Scott is here. I, I was watching my husband pastor and lead a staff that needed pastoring and they needed to be led. And that last day, I mean, I just knew it. And I knew that we hadn't been talking about it, but that if I didn't say the words um, immediately, like in the moment, I'm not sure when I would have said it. And we were walking to a little Colmado, like a little store to get um, a really cold Coca-Cola because it's just so stinging hot here. And sometimes that ice cold Coca-Cola is the best thing ever. And Scott and I were walking and as we were walking, I just said, hey, I think... I think we're supposed to move here. I think you are supposed to to lead this staff. And I think his mouth dropped open and he was like, What? What what are you what actually I was like, uh no, never mind. I don't want to do it anymore. Or he was like, Can you hold on? Let me order my Coke first and then yeah. we can talk about it. Priorities. So long story, well, no it's not too short, but here we go. Uh that was fall of twenty eighteen. We went home and by the holidays had told our, family, our families, yeah. not always in the perfect way of sharing these kind of things. My parents, it kind of came out in a family gathering and uh, yeah, I hadn't even told them yet, but we told our families, uh, we had a little bit more support raising. We were trying to, to solidify. I stepped back a little bit from my responsibilities uh, in Houston to focus on the preparation phase to begin learning some Spanish. We had missionary training in Colorado, um, which was fantastic to prepare our family for what missionary life would be. And we hit the ground here on October the 16th of last year, 2019. So we've been here now for seven Seven months, months. and it's just been a blessing to see what God is doing here. It's been a blessing to be part of the staff and to be encouraged by them and to encourage them and just try to just to be faithful to what God has called us to do. And here we are 15 years later after being told, hold on, not yet. And, and then being presented with opportunities all along the way 
to, to show whether we trusted him or not, to take a step of obedience without being able to see the steps ahead. Because that's the way it works. You, you might get to see one step ahead of you, and that's all you know. And we want to know more. We want God to reveal more, like shine the light a little bit further down the path. Let me see where this is going to take me. And most times he doesn't. He, you get to see one step ahead, and you get to decide each time, am I going to take that step? Am I, am I going to obey in this circumstance and trust him with everything else? And, and that's really been our journey from way back to this moment today where we are just trying to do what the next right thing is and the next step of obedience and following him. And what we have found through our experience, and hey, we're new at this missionary thing, even though it's been, it's been part of our story longer than some of the missionaries we serve with have even really been old enough to, <laughs> to communicate. Not, not quite, but we've got some youngins here. But this has been part of the story. This has been part of the adventure that God has had us on. Uh, and it's certainly not the end of it. Like, there's more to it. Who knows what that's going to be, where and how and when. But, but it's, a, it's a continual lifelong adventure of finding ways to show your willingness to obey each step. And it's just been an encouraging thing for us. And we're excited because you're going to get to hear more stories like this, but different, of how obedience works in real life through folks like us who are serving here. So we're going to wrap up and kind of summarize, again, the theme of obedience here. All throughout Scripture, you can see stories of, of choices people had to either obey or not obey. In the Old Testament, obedience was often tied to the blessing of the Lord. If you obey me, you'll be blessed. And if you don't, you won't. And you can see examples of that all throughout. Here we are now, after Jesus has come and, and was fully obedient and took it all for us and paid the price for us, that obedience for us is not something that's tied directly to our salvation. It's not as if God's saying, hey, if you don't obey me, I'm not going to love you. If you don't obey me, uh, you can't you can't go to heaven. You can't have a relationship with me. It's it's more of an overflow. It's more of an expression of our faith. It's more of the idea of because of what God has done through Christ for us, we ought to then be obedient to what it is He's called us to do. And yes, there are still consequences when we disobey. And yes, there are still uh, great rewards and great blessing when we obey. Not not this idea of like, oh, if I'm going to be obedient, I'm going to get some stuff. Like, you know, I'm going to get more money. I'm going to get more things. It's getting the blessing of the Lord. It's the, the fact that your relationship with God can be so much stronger when we're living out of obedience. And so we want to encourage you with that. We want to encourage you to find ways in your life to express the obedience that I know you want to express. So we're going to give you a quick challenge. Like Scott was saying, we, we share our story as a, as a way to encourage other people to, to take steps of obedience. And, and I want to be able to provide you with like a tangible activity or task that you can do in order to work, work out the obedience that you've had in your past and in disobedience and then also looking into the future. So the first challenge that I want to give you for this week is to create a timeline, um, like from birth through now, right, of all the big moments, big moments that you had in your life, but big moments with God. And I want you to take a moment as you're, as you're marking those out on your timeline, where were you taking steps of obedience and mark those here. I 
obeyed God and went to a certain university over another because I knew this is where he wanted me to go. Or this is the job I took because I knew it was a step of obedience. Or this is the homeless lady that I fed on the way to the store and I was going to walk past her, but I felt the Holy Spirit telling me to go back and feed her. That step of obedience. Mark those out. And then also take a moment to think about those missed opportunities. When is it that you can remember that you chose to disobey, whether it was because you weren't attuned to God, so you didn't hear him, or whether it was you were like, there's no way I'm doing that, so I'm going to choose no, or fighting against something, or out of fear. Mark those moments so that you can see those moments also. But keep that timeline open. I mean, there should be an arrow stretched and not a point at the end because your story's not over yet. You're going to have opportunities every single day to choose your next step of obedience. Every single day. Just keep that arrow open so that it's a reminder to you that you, you have time to follow Christ and you have time to obey and you have time to do amazing things for the kingdom of God. So we just want to encourage you. We hope our story, although it's so much about timing, we're hoping our story does demonstrate that that obedience matters, that obedience is life-changing, and that obedience sometimes can take a while, right? The ultimate act, you don't you don't see the results right away, but you still choose to obey. Because what we can tell you from experience is that your relationship with Jesus and your life is enriched. There's just so much more for you when you do exactly like Scott says, and you just trust and you obey. So much more. Hey, thanks for joining us for the first in this series called Missionaries of the Caribbean, Adventures of Obedience. I know it's a little corny. Uh, We're so excited because next time, you're not going to hear from us. You're going to hear from some of our friends, and you're going to love them. They really have great stories. You guys are going to love our friends. They're so exciting. In fact, their stories are so much better than our stories. Uh, they're going to encourage you so much, and we can't wait to share them. So subscribe if you haven't. Tune in next time. Hey, share the podcast if you would. You can review it as well on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening to it, but share it. Put it on social media. Tell a friend. Say, hey, this might encourage you along the way. Go back and listen to the marriage series and share that if you haven't. Uh, it just helps get the word out. It helps to uh, just to encourage others. That's what we want to do with this. So uh, until next time, we hope that you are doing well. Uh, we hope that the coronavirus thing will eventually subside. I know that things are beginning to reopen some in the United States, and so that's fun. But be safe. Be careful. Wear your masks. Uh, stay away from other people, you know, six feet and all that. Uh, but in the meantime... Thanks for listening. God bless you. And may God use your steps of obedience this week to encourage others. Take care.